Welcome to the Go All In podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss, and I'm proud to be bringing you these stories of everyday heroes right here in Sydney, Australia. If this is your first time listening to the Go All In podcast, welcome. It's great to have you here, and I know you're going to draw some inspiration from today's guests. And if you're back for more, welcome back. It's great to have you here as well. Before we kick off today, all of the links to our guest and the links that you hear throughout the show are right there on your phone in the show notes. Or if you're watching this video on Facebook or YouTube, then just scroll down and you'll see the links right there as well. Make sure as you're looking at those links on your phone, you hit that subscribe button. That way you'll never miss a goal in podcast and you'll always have some motivation and some entertainment right at your fingertips and in your ears. Today on the show, our guest is Hugh Barter. Now, this show is going to be a little bit different. Most of us have lived a go-all-in story or a go-all-in moment at some point in our lives. And it's normally, it's these stories that we hear on this show. However, from time to time, we come across a guest that is living their go-all-in story right now. And today, you're about to meet Hugh, who is living his go-all-in story right now. Now, what I love about his story is that he's brought all of the potential that he has into the now. It's no longer residing in the future. It's in the now. He decided that he wanted to commit to something. And as you'll hear, because of his commitment, absolutely everything that he does is moving him towards that goal. It's a nice little reminder for us all. Now, his goal has been set and every single action that he takes moves him one step closer to that goal. So what is it? Well, Hugh wants to be a Formula One driver and a world champion, which is about as high as you could aim in motorsport. I think what you'll love about this story is that Hugh is just 13 years old. He's an experienced go-kart competitor with a couple of wins under his belt. And as you hear him talk about his sport, you'll hear just how infectious his enthusiasm and passion for racing is. The thing that I love about the go-all-in mindset is it just doesn't matter how old you are. If you want to achieve something great in life, you need to go all in. You need to commit and do whatever it takes to succeed. Hugh inspired me in this interview. He reminded me to follow your heart, to follow your dreams. And most of all, he reminded me that life is happening to you right now. Don't dwell on your last loss. Look forward, work hard and go all in. I'm excited he's here. So please help me in welcoming Hugh Barter. Well, good day, Hugh. Welcome to the Go All In podcast, mate. It's great to have you on the show. Nice to meet you. Yeah, so I uh, hope to be enjoyable podcast for you. I'm so excited to have a young racer like you here. I see a lot of myself in you and that competitive nature and the love of motorsport and whatnot. But before we get into that, that side of you and that part of the interview, let's get to know you a little bit. I like to start off all of these shows with a quick little get to know you quiz. It's pretty random. It's in no particular order. I just need you to tell me the kind of first thing that comes to mind when I ask you one of these questions. You ready, man? Yep, no problem. All right. Hey, I know that you can drive a go-kart pretty well. In fact, I've seen you tearing around a track on YouTube and you're kicking butt there. You're doing really well, but can you ride a motorbike? I've tried here and there. Probably not the greatest. Uh, it's fun, but um, yeah, definitely four-wheel cars are probably my way. It's a completely different skill set. That's why I'm asking. Like, it's a bit random, I know, but two wheels are way different to four wheels. What do you reckon? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I remember, like, a few years ago, we went to, like, this um, caravan park, and uh, my mates bought this, like, motorcycle that was, like, for miniature children, and mm-hmm. I hopped onto it, and it's a completely different concept. So it was <laughs> uh, a new way to learn things, but, yeah. 
I think I mustn't have been much more, much older than what you are. You're in year eight, right? Yes. I must have been about the same age. And one of my friends, Daniel, he had a, a little, it was like a Peewee 50 mini bike, but this thing was like, it was solid. It was solid. And I remember he lived across the road from this bushland and I used to go up there and we used to, in the school holidays, tear around the bushland for hours at a time on this thing. And we'd be scrounging around for a couple of bucks to go up the servo to fill it up with petrol and have a bit of fun like that. And back in the day, you know, no helmet, no gloves, no safety equipment, nothing. And we were lucky never to come off. I tell you what, we were riding around on that like crazy young men. And uh, we were so lucky never to have come off. But the thing eventually died. But gosh, it was a hell of a lot of fun. I remember that a lot. So, all right, man, next question. I know you love F1, but do you like rally cars and V8 supercars and that as well? Yeah, I like any type of motorsport. Probably F1 would be my number one where I want to be in the future. But, you know, V8, so I watch here and there. Like I watch the Bathurst 1000 with my dad every year. Rally, I don't get to watch it too often due to the fact that, you know, it's only really like videoed on Foxtel and so we don't really get to like watch all that stuff. But, yeah, definitely the V8s we get to, you know, watch the endurance races and then, we go to the Australian Grand Prix to see the V8s and the F1. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What do you think of those rally drivers when you see those videos in YouTube and stuff? They're pretty skillful, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, I would count them as one of the best drivers in the world because they, you know, the control they have over the car is insane, especially when they don't know the course either. You know, they've got someone, they're not relying on someone next to them to tell them that you got to carry this in fourth. And if it is, if it is, in fourth, that's great. But if it's in third and you're carrying it in fourth, you know, it's a lot of time gone or maybe you end up in the fence. It it always freaks me out when I watch it. I can't help but I think maybe because I know what it's like to go far. You know, I never really was into fast cars because I never could afford a fast car when I was a young fella. I always had fast motorbikes like 750 and 1,000cc bikes. So I know what it feels like to go fast. And I sit and watch these YouTube videos of these rally car drivers all the time because I, I love that stuff. I just love motorsport. And they're so damn close to the trees and they're hoofing along at 150 kilometers an hour and they're like inches away from a moment of complete and total disaster, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's like heaps of videos all over YouTube like that. You know, some And even like the te- cameramen are insane. You know, just to stand on the side of the track <laughs> and watch a car fly past their feet <laughs> no, there's no room for them, right? That's right. Yeah, hey, exactly. Uh, I saw you got a pretty big following on Facey, man. There's like two 200,000 people on your fan page. Yeah, what's the go there? Tell us about that. My dad and I control our social media together. Mm-hmm. And so we just advertise and make sure that, you know, keep our followers up to date with what, what's been going on in my career so far. And so awesome. like after every weekend, we make sure that we update them with like, I don't know, maybe a video or the results after each day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that keeps them happy and then they pass it on. So it grows between um, individual people and, then, you know, it passes. It's really good. And as I was doing a little bit of homework for this interview, mostly watching your racing videos because that's the kind of cool part, right? I had a quick dicky beak at your Instagram as well. And there's some pretty famous people on there. It looks like you got a bit of backdoor access to the pits to all of those drivers. I, I look in there and I see a picture with you and Jackie Stewart, Mark Webber. Sebastian Vettel, what the hell? What's going on there? Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So this year we got invited to be a grid kid at the 2019 F1 um, Australian Grand Prix. So we got a VIP pass to get into the paddock. 
And after the race, we went uh, to like, you know, where all team briefings are. And so just as they came out of the garage, we got to just meet a few people. So we saw, you know, Pierre Gasly, Stroll, we saw Hamilton, Webber. So we just saw like a heap of different people. And Johnny Herbert was like one of the best. You know, he gave us a lot of time. So that was probably like my main focus that whole weekend. I have to ask, you got a few photos there, but do you get to speak to him as well? Like Johnny Herbert, you did, obviously. Is there anyone else that you chatted to? Yeah, we chatted with Jackie Stewart mostly. There was, there weren't like, uh, the drivers didn't really have time, especially like, you know, maybe Bottas, you know, he was a bit busy because of all the interviews that he had to do. Hamilton, he was busy. Ricardo, obviously busy because of, well, he's in Australia. So the drivers weren't very, uh, how would you explain, didn't give us time. But, you know, I guess they gave us a photo and, you know, I guess you kind of asked for much more. Very nice. And was that the first time you met some F1 drivers? No, about, I was about eight years old and I got to meet Alan Jones and that was a great experience. Yeah, we, we spent like a good half an hour talking. So that was great. Wow, that's really cool. That's really cool. Those guys spend the time with you and and share their experiences as well. That's very, very cool, man. I'm pleased to hear that. So tell me, do you play any other sport or do you just tear around on a racetrack? I used to play um, a bit of tennis, but then, uh, yeah, to juggle tennis, karting, school, it was a bit too hard. So I had a choice of picking one of the two and I chose karting. But yeah, so... That was probably like my second choice, but you know, I'd rather do motorsport instead. Yeah, fair enough too. I can understand why. Now, for the regular listeners of the Go All In podcast, they would know that I'm actually a pilot. Yeah, I'm a private pilot. Uh, I don't go out flying all that often. It's just life gets in the way. Things are, are very, very busy. And, you know, I find myself very often looking up at the sky, wanting to go and do something, but, you know, I kind of just don't get a chance to do that. And I've got a couple of other things that I do instead of that. Do you tell me when you want to go out racing and go and tear around the track and do some training or go racing and you can't do it, what do you do instead? I'm usually on my simulator if I can't get out on the track. <laughs> well, yeah. I was hoping you would say that because that's actually what I do as well, right? When I can't go out flying an aeroplane, I'll sit in front of a computer and fly a simulator as well. So yeah, yeah. what sort of sims you, are you like on an Xbox or what are you doing? What are you playing? I race on a PC and yep. I race on Automobilista Seto Corsa. So a few games here and there and I hold a few number one rankings in different games. Very nice. Very um, nice. What about F1? Do you drive that as well? I think with F1, I guess there's so many releases, I guess. Mm. So... You get to like, you have F1 2019 and then F1 2018 and then you know, it just keeps going. So there's no real like one game going to get. I like F, the F1 games. Like you, I'm a fan of Formula One as well. And, you know, you're sitting at a track, you know, at Catalonia or Singapore or something like that and trying to make your way around the track. And I'm like, man, I'm just so hopeless at this. Hang on, let me watch. And I watch a YouTube video of pole position, whoever got pole position in the last year, whatever it was and see what gear they're in, how fast they're going around those corners and do that and try and emulate that. I'm like, how is he in sixth gear going around that corner? It's like, you know, and I'm sitting here in front of a a screen with a console in my hand. He's out there doing it for real in real life at 200 kilometers an hour like that. Do you find that simulators actually help you out on the track? Yeah, yeah. I think it's more of just getting the hang of, you know, a track. So if you haven't been to a track, just say such as Phillip Island and you want to go there, 
I think the simulator helps you to know the track a bit more better. So when you get there, you're not going from scratch, you know. So you, you have a rough idea that this corner's going to be a left, this one's going to be a right. You know, you can't go, oh, I was had that in third gear, but now I can only carry it in second. So there's no – you can't be accurate with a simulator. You know, it can't, it's not always 100% accurate, but, yeah – it can be accurate. Like when we went to the world titles, we did a bit of simulator practice and, yeah, it gave me a good rough idea of mm. where to go on the track. So I find a similar thing with flying aeroplanes as well. You know, you, you can sit and fly desktop all day long, but it's just there's no substitute for the real thing. What it can do is it can be very useful for procedures and help you to remember where you need to be in relation to where you should be and that type of thing. And good for practicing, good for simulating, so to speak, but nothing beats the real thing. Yes, agreed. Much agreed. Nice, nice. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, mate. It's good to get to know a little bit about you as we kick off this. People come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others who have gone all in. Hugh, if you could, mate, could you share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and your commitment to success and tell us, Tell us about that, and I think maybe I can lead you a little bit here and help you because it's kind of a, a tricky story for a young bloke like you, but you must be living your goal in right now. You've got to completely commit to everything that you're doing to make this work for yourself, right? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, where I want to end up is uh, Formula One, but at the moment this year, our goal is to get to the world titles to represent Australia. If we go to the world titles this year, that'll be our second time. Um, in 2016, we went to the world titles and I was quickest in the practice in wet and dry. So that was great. But into quality, my, um, I was like, my mental state wasn't all there. I got a bit uh, nervous and didn't perform like at my peak. So we qualified like 16th, which wasn't bad in the world. Um, and then in all the heats, we uh, drove up to 8th. And then in the final, we were in second, and then we had a bit of an engine problem. So, yeah, you know, it it happens, but, you know, it was just a great experience to be there. And, you know, and because of that, we actually got some sponsorship from the one of the manufacturers of the cars over there. So that was really good. Very nice, very nice. Well, I know just from your backstory and a little bit of research I've done before this interview that you are living your goal in right now because every race is one step closer to that seat in an F1 car. For the people that are, are listening that don't know anything about motorsport, there's different classes and those classes are like levels and progression, aren't they? So you're in this go-karting class here. Tell us a little bit about what it is and you know what sort of go-karts do you drive? How big are the engines? How fast do they go? That type of thing. In karting, there's about four classes, four main classes. So you have the, the cadets, so the very from, what, five years old to nine years old. Then you have the cadet 12s, which is from nine to 12. And then you have the juniors from 12 to 16, and then the seniors 16 onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the four classes, and I compete in the junior class, so from 12 to 16. And this year we, we were at the Nationals and we competed in KA4. And uh, we won the first round, came second in the second round, and then in the third round we won again. So, and you have, you have heats in a race, right? You have three or four heats in a race that are on race uh, day? At Nationals we have four heats, and then those four heats accumulate where you start in the final. Okay. Yeah. So I watched a video of you on YouTube and I was like on the edge of my seat going, come on, Hugh, come on. I was like cheering you on, man. And I heat four, round one, 2019, and you came first, right? You do, did you win that race? Is that the video that I watched that you won? 
Uh, heat four, I I actually finished eleventh, so that was a very eventful race. <laughs> oh, the one where you had a you had a stack or something like that, and you ended up at the back of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So I that weekend was a very extreme eventful weekend. The motions were like crazy. So we started the weekend and we we're quickest, and then we qualified fourth, and then the first race were leading, and then we had a mechanical black flag. So like you know when something falls off and there's a danger hazard mm-hmm. on your car. And so we had to pull in. So we didn't, we didn't even get to finish the first race. So that put us way back in points. And so in, then in heat three, we, I think we started like, I don't know, 18th and fought our way up to like fifth, something like that anyway. And then, um, and then in heat four, we started 13th. And then we fought our way up to seventh. And then we spun, went back to 31st, <laughs> and then drove up to 11th. <laughs> That's, that must have been what I watched because it was halfway. I think I was watching it before because when I watched the video, it was halfway along when I sat. You were in a big group and you were just getting some momentum past these guys and then you got in front of everybody and you were by yourself. And then all of a sudden you were just like going crazy with it. Are the cars all the same? Are the carts, the engine sizes are all the same? That Nobody has a real competitive advantage like that, do they? We have uh, two different classes we run in, but the Nationals one, we run a KA engines, uh, a Yamaha, I think it's Yamaha. No, no, IAMI, IAMI, sorry. How big is the engine? How many cc's? 100 cc is, that's the IAMI, and then the Rotax, which is the other class, is 125 cc. And how fast are you going? Because you're really low to the ground, so it makes it look like you're going really super fast, but how fast are you clocking? Do you know? Is it like 80, 90, 100 k's an hour? In the Rotax, we get to 120 at the world titles. It's quick, yeah. Yeah, and then in KA4, we run at a, probably 100K. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two classes are completely two separate classes, so two different championships. But, yeah, all the drivers that you drive against all have the same engines. And driving a car is very, well, have you ever driven a car? I haven't driven a car, but I've driven a Formula V. Okay, cool, cool. So so driving a car is different for the people listening that have never driven one to driving a car because you drive with both feet, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's a big difference because people like me that just are not racers like you are used to driving with my right-hand foot, one on the throttle and one on the brake, and it's a really weird thing to get both of your feet on those pedals at the same time, especially in an auto car. These days, all the cars are auto and you kind of put your feet so close together. It's not something that's done. So for you, you've got the steering wheel in front of you. You don't have any instrumentation, do you? Or do you have some? Yeah, we do. So we have like a little micron which tells us like what time we have and then our splits on each sector. So So you have have a clock. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Are they geared? Are these vehicles geared? No, 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 no. It's flat out or stop? It's not flat out. It's not flat out. (laughs) How much free play do you have in the, in the throttle? As you put your foot on the gas, is there like a 10 centimetres of play in the throttle or is it, is it really kind of small? We try, or in my opinion, I like to have as minimal uh, play on the throttle so I can have a good judgment on to when to put on the throttle. If you have like a bit of play in the throttle, I feel like when you get on the throttle, you're struggling to like, is it going to go now? Is it going to go now? And then you kind of get it. So it becomes inconsistent on each individual lap if you have a bit too much play. So you delete all that free play out of it and it's really sensitive. And how, how far do you depress the throttle when you're driving? Is it just a little bit like that, just a couple of centimetres, or is it a, is it a lot? 
I'll say five, a bit more on, on the IME. It's five centimetres, I reckon. It's a funny question, right? It's not something that you think about, but for somebody that's a non-racer like me, I'm always like a little bit curious, like how much play does he have in a throttle? On a motorcycle, on a big, on a powerful 1,000cc motorcycle, you have no free play at all. Like it's either when you first get on these things, especially if you haven't ridden one for a little while, you got to get over the top of it because if you kind of give it a little bit too much, they kind of want to stand up on you. And be really careful on a motorbike throttle like that. What about the braking with your your left foot? You got your foot right foot on the throttle on the on the gas, and you got your left foot on on the brake. Are you finessing these things at the same time? Is the gas on when the brakes on as you're coming out of the corner, or you're braking into the corner? No, we try to minimise that. Some corners you do so, such as like a sweeper, maybe when you need to keep traction. If you go through like a fast, I don't know, just say a left hander and it's not quite flat out, if you take the throttle off, you lose traction. So it's sometimes good to just trail brake is what we call in karting, is when you kind of like use the throttle and then just like feather the brake to control your speed through the corner. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you get to like a hairpin, we try to minimise using the brake and accelerate at the same time because it usually binds up the car through the corner and you struggle to get off it. Yeah, you break Um, the thing if you do that as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's different in cars, though, because, you know, obviously you have maybe, I don't know, V8, Jeff heel and toe, so it becomes a bit different. Plus, you've got more torque to play with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's different with that yeah. as well, yeah. It's the interesting thing that you say that when you're going around the corner, you've got to kind of give it some gas in order to keep the traction. Otherwise, the thing will just step out and slip away on you, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So in carts, it's very – in our two different classes, the Rotax and the IAMI, in the IAMI, we have heaps of grip. So there's like, it's very hard to like spin on your own. So you can really attack the corner. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, with the Rotex, it's very, it's, you got to finesse the car sort of thing. You know, you come into the corner and you break in a straight line, you turn and then you, you make everything one slow movement and that's how you get your speed. You know, you might not feel fast, but it is. Mm. I could really tell when I was watching that video of you that, you were so much faster than the people that were in front of you because I could see as they were coming up to the corner, you were like breaking and almost running up the back of them and then kind of losing your momentum and not getting there. And I, there was a couple of times there, there's a few really nice passes where you came onto a, onto the straight and they came as the straight was a, a big sweeping right hander. You came out right behind them and then they stepped out just a little bit to the right and you were like straight up the inside of them. And then you had the racing line for the next corner, shut the door on them. And round you go like that. What does that feel like when you have that corner and that momentum in the corner and you got him? You are you like gotcha, or are you, do you just in flow, just getting past them, or do you find yourself going yeah? Because yeah. <laughs> I watch you, I was doing that. <laughs> yeah. So when you're driving, it's like, and you see someone like make a mistake, you know that's your opportunity, and you have to take it, sort of thing. You know, you can't second guess yourself. Once you second guess yourself, you usually sometimes end up in an accident. Or you, lo- you end up losing places, you know. It's always better off making sure that, you know, you're not second-guessing and you 100% know that you are got to make that move. And like, um, I don't know if you know Ayrton Senna, mm-hmm. his uh, famous quote was, if you see a gap and you don't take it, you're no longer a racing car driver. So, you know, it's very important to make sure and not back out of a move. Do you find yourself getting, I know when I watch Formula One sometimes and there's a back marker or there's a slower car in front of a faster car 
and you're watching that and you can clearly see that the car behind has got the momentum and the ability and the other and the person in front is kind of just racing right and they're just they don't they're not, they're not giving up their position or anything like that and i find myself as a viewer a little bit frustrated i'm, I'm wondering if you as a driver do you ever find yourself frustrated that you just can't quite get there and you keep making a mistake you can't quite get up there what's that feel like yeah it's definitely frustrating because you know you got the pace but you might have the pace in somewhere where you can't pass, you know? So it just gets really frustrating when you're stuck behind someone and you've got the pace and you just have to, to get past them. You've got to set it up really well, find their weak points, find where you're strong. And sometimes where you're not strong is, you know, where they're fast. So you end up like losing all this pace. And by the time you get to your strong part, you're at the end of that. So it's just, it just becomes frustrating and you just got to, you got to control that anger and, and frustration and then be composed and just make, make sure that, you know, start making mistakes. Yeah, you have to be a little bit patient as a racing car driver, right? Because as you say, you just can't make a move there. You've got to wait till your part of the track is coming up where you're faster than they are to make that move. Do you find yourself being a little bit of a tactician when you're driving or are you just concentrating on what you're doing and it's just coming in a flow state for you or are you actually thinking about what it is that you're doing? Tactics are a huge part. Like I remember when I first stepped into juniors, I had heaps of pace in the rain. Now in the in carts, it's when you're on the inside of the track, it's really slippery. So we usually drive on the outside of the track and that's where we get our grip. So I had heaps of pace through this slow section and so I actually backed off before the slow section because I kept getting balked. And so I'd actually come into the slow section and I would catch him. And then there was this one opportunity and I took it and I ended up getting second place, I think. It's definitely tactics plays a massive part of it. Do you find yourself getting better at that the more experience that you get? Yes, definitely. Yeah, because especially when you're running like nationals at the top, tactics, you know, you have drivers with tactics as well. You know, they're not just thinking about, you know, he's fast, let's just stay behind him sort of thing. They have tactics on what they're doing. And so you have to think about what what they might be thinking. And then so it just, it's very, your mental state becomes very advanced as you travel in your career. Very nice, very nice. I, I remember when I learned to fly an airplane, thinking that I'm never, ever going to get the hang of this thing because it's just hands and feet and there's just so many things going on. But like anything, you can learn to do anything in life when you get a bit more exposure and experience to it. And over time I got the hang of flying an airplane and then all of a sudden they wanted me to go from point A to point B and navigate somewhere. And then <laughs> I can remember preparing and back in the day before GPS was you know prevalent like it is today and you'd have an old school paper map and you'd draw a line on the map and you want to go from point A to point B and you got to point the airplane that way and look and the, the instructor would be with you asking you all of these, you know, how far off course are we? How long is it going to take to get there? And, and I swear to you, the minute I got into an aeroplane and got my hands on the controls and took off, about three quarters of my brain space was gone. I was literally three quarters stupider in an aeroplane than I was on the ground. <laughs> and that's a bad thing, right? Because you want to be attentive and sharper, if anything, when you got a hold of the aeroplane. But like anything, over time, I kind of I got used to flying the aeroplane and reading the maps and answering the questions and doing the the mathematical calculations, not that they're difficult, but when you've got hands and feet in an aeroplane and you're bouncing around in turbulence or something like that, you're feeling a bit airsick, the last thing you can kind of concentrate on is the mathematics. What about you and and mastering your craft and mastering that car? Do you feel like you're 
coming close to that or is there a long way for you to go in this class that you're in? Definitely, you know, I'm getting better at what I do in my car. To be honest, I don't think there is a point where you can't go faster. There's always somewhere that you can go faster. Yeah, like, I mean, that's the spirit, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I remember 2017, I was quickest out in drag and uh, this person asked us for if we could share data. We are fine with that. And we, we exchanged um, our data and um, he was faster somewhere that I wasn't. So there's always, he might be at the back or he might be, I don't know, midfield. There's always somewhere that he might be quicker than you and that you can improve. So yeah, definitely. Very nice, very nice. Well, Hugh, you know yourself being a driver that this thing doesn't happen by itself. Tell me a little bit about your team because I'm sure your mum and dad are your biggest fans and supporters helping you get to these races and and paying for everything all the time as well. That's not a cheap sport to be involved in for sure. Tell us about the team. Who, who are the people that help you and support you? Yeah, so mum and dad are my biggest supporters and they've been helping me since I was five. This year we joined a new team called AWC and so they've been transporting all my um, gear, so my carts, uh, um, even like my um, toolboxes, they've been transporting all that. Mum and dad travel around in a van to carry all the um, engines around. Yep. And then I fly to the race meeting. So I'm a bit of a rock star, but... <laughs> very nice, very nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's like what we do. My dad does all the sponsorship and my mum does the carts. So she actually does all the mechanics. So that's uh, pretty cool. Wow, that's really cool, huh? Everybody's yeah. involved. Everybody gets a piece of the action. Yes, definitely, definitely. Does it feel like a team or does it feel like a family? Or a family and a team are the same thing, right? I think the team is definitely family. We all work together to achieve the same goal. Yeah, so, you know, mum and uh, dad really are extremely helpful. Come With that, we also have uh, Colin, which is our another mechanic. He's been extremely helpful, been there since I was five. Really? So, yeah, definitely. And then um, our engine builder, Clint, yeah, so he does the, I would say, the best engines in Australia. Very nice, very nice. And what about, do you have anybody, do you have anybody helping you with some mentoring and driving and that type of thing? Is, are there some other more senior drivers helping you make your way through this? Yeah, so Clint does, he used to be a carter, so he helps me here and there. We have sponsors that help me as well uh, with like money-wise. Awesome. Who is, tell us about your sponsors. We can't bring you on a show and do some PR without talking about them. Who are they? Uh, so we have a, uh, like a lot of sponsors, you know, that uh, we have big ones that like give us a heap of money and um, we have small ones that give us products that we can use so we don't have to spend it on, I don't know, degrease or brake clean, something like that. Yeah. Um, so we have Penrite who sponsor us for that sort of stuff. Up and Go, I think they give us a, few, um, a couple of grand a month. So that's yeah. extremely helpful. We have Fitness First who give me a free membership for the gym. So, you know, we have a, a lot of sponsors that help us, but there's always a need for more, definitely. Yeah, yeah. nice. Well, I'll make sure that we get some links in the show notes to your sponsors and a big kudos to them and a big shout out to them for supporting you and your team. I'll make sure that they're known to our Goalin audience as well. So we'll make sure that that's in there as well. Tell us what happens after karting, do you, what's the next level of racing that you go to in Australia? Is it, what is it, F3, F4? What do all of these numbers and acronyms mean? In, in Australia, it's Formula Ford, or oh, four actually. To get to the eights, you want to be in like a Formula Ford. 
But if you want to get into like Europe, you want to be in a Formula 4. So there are two different classes. Formula Ford is can lead you on to like Carrera Cup or V8s or GT. Formula Ford usually gives you an opportunity to go over into Europe. Like for me, I want to just go to straight to Europe and compete in Formula Four. If we do that, we have we have more races. It's the same amount of money, and you get bigger exposure to Europe. So I think it's a type of license that you get, isn't it? That's the Formula Four license, right? That's a license to go racing, and you need to get those licenses to go to the next class, don't you? Yes. Yeah. I think, to be honest, I think you need to have like a an international license, and then some. In Australia, it's called a CAMS license, but I don't know what it's in Europe. Yeah, but, the equivalent uh, of the CAMS license there, yeah. Yeah, so you need that to race in a form of four. And then I think if maybe if you get like, I don't know, third or first or second, something like that, you might get a scholarship. To be honest, I don't really know, but we want to go over there next year or next year sometime in the next two years. Nice. And do you ever do you watch that stuff online? Do you watch that racing there? Have you got kind of one eye on that? Hey, that's where I'm going. I look at the results because they're not really broadcasted. Yeah, it's hard to see that stuff, isn't it? It's hard to yeah. find. Mm. Yeah, but I definitely watch like um, F2. That's really interesting. Mm. And then sometimes here and there I might look at the Formula 3. But I do watch the Formula 4 a lot because um, there's a few Australians over there. You know, it's good to keep an eye on their progress. Very nice, very nice. And Hugh, i got to ask, man, who's your favourite F1 driver? I would say Leclerc. Definitely yeah. Leclerc. Yeah. Yeah, he's... And for the um, people that don't know who that is, what team does he race for? Uh, Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What, why is he your favourite? He's just like, he's so determined and his mental state is amazing. Like how, how he controls himself and how composed he is, is just amazing, especially at the age that he's at. You know, it shows that it's possible to do it, you know, at such a young age. How old is he? I think he's, oh, I want to think he's 20. I think he's like 18. Yeah, they're young. Max Verstappen was really young when he kicked off in uh, Toro Rosso, wasn't he? He was really young. He was like 18 or something, wasn't he? Yeah, I think 16 or 17. No, was he that young? Gosh. He was that young that they had to change the rules because it, it was something wrong. They found like a loophole or something like that. That could definitely be you. There's no question about that. If you go all in and you commit to that, you, that can be you. That's... Is that inspiring? What do, you, what do you think when you see Daniel Ricciardo tearing around a track not doing so well for Renault? No, I don't think he's doing well for Renault. You know, Renault's definitely bringing more upgrades. Like they said that they're putting a new downforce package for the next round, especially with Ricciardo qualifying fourth in Canada. So that's definitely assuring that it's definitely getting better. I found it really interesting watching Dan Ricciardo's move from Red Bull over there to Renault and you kind of like, go Dan, go Dan, you know, you can't help but get behind him and it just kind of went pear-shaped badly for the first bit of the year here. But I'm sure it'll gather a bit of momentum and it'll, all of those teething problems will iron themselves out. So racing is not without its drama, that's for sure. That's the thing oh, yeah. I love about it the most. Well, tell me, mate, what's your favourite part about racing karts? Probably the adrenaline, definitely the adrenaline, I say, because it's just like you come down the straight and when you come across that line and you take that win, it's just so, it's like, yes, sort of feeling, you know, it's nothing beats it. Yeah, nothing really compares to winning something like that, right? Yeah, especially like nationals this year from coming from 11th to win the race, it was insane. Like, yeah, the, very nice. The, the adrenaline that... I had was ridiculous after the race. <laughs> is that video on YouTube? 
I'm not sure to be honest. It should be, I think. Let's dig that out together and we'll share that with the audience as well. Coming from 11th to win the race. How many laps are in the race? That race was 20, I think. Quite long. Yeah, it's quite long. Like um, some races go for about 20 minutes. Yeah, decent. Decent. Well, mate, racing is very physically demanding. What do you do each day? You must do, do you get into fitness first and go and train in there with a trainer or with your mates or something like that? You must for sure. Yeah. So every Tuesday morning, I wake up at six o'clock to go to the gym Mm -hmm. and then straight after the gym, I go to school. (laughs) Straight into it, mate. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Hugh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and it's great to see a young bloke like yourself actually really going for it and having a crack at following his dreams. You know, there's many, many young people out there that are told that they can't do stuff or they're told that they've got to go and get a job or get a career or do something like that. But, you know, it's a real inspiration to see you following your dreams, mate. And kudos to your parents for helping you to do that and to facilitate that. We wish you all the very best, mate. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Facey, Insta, what's the best way? You can use Facebook and Instagram. Either one is fine. I would say Facebook would be the best one. All right, awesome. I'll make sure the links are included to the show notes of this podcast. So if you're listening to this, just have a little peek at your phone and you'll see all of Hugh's links. Make sure you give his fan page a like and follow him over there on Instagram and pop on over to his YouTube channel and watch those races. I bet you can't sit there for more than about two minutes saying, go Hugh, go, 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 mate, go. (laughs) Go, go, Hugh. Good luck, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. We'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Well, there you have it, folks. What an inspirational young man. As you've probably heard, I'm a huge motorsport fan and an F1 fan as well. And I'll certainly be watching and following Hugh as his career plays out. Make sure you do the same. Get inside of his ecosystem, follow him on Facebook, on Instagram, and make sure you connect with him on LinkedIn, of all places. All of the links to Hugh's socials are right there on your phone in the show notes, so you won't have to go digging around from anywhere on the internet. It's right there. And if you're watching this video, just scroll down, and his links are right there as well. Now, if you've got a question or a comment for the show, make sure you reach out via the Go All In socials. And if you want to send me an email, you can do that by visiting goallin.com.au to find out more. Now, if you like what you heard today, I'd really appreciate a review as that helps out the show a whole boatload as well. Well, that wraps it up for today's show. So whatever it is that you're doing, whatever you're working on, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. You said I was a piece of art.
should've known, should, should've 